master of the art of negotiation, a dealmaker of immense skill. He betrays without flinching. The career of this man of the right is proof that right and left don't mean much anymore in Labour politics. I don't hate anyone in the Labour Party, he declares. It's not a completely amoral world, but you begin to realise over time that right and left arguments can get overcooked. What were once mighty building blocks of the party are now unstable coalitions of the roughly like-minded. At the National Conference, the CFMEU deserted the left on the boats, and next day the National Union of Workers, the NUW, broke with the right to undermine Shorten's position on marriage equality. He set to work. He's not Bob Hawke, who sat above the fray, relying on his lieutenants to bring him the numbers. Shorten is hands-on. He uses his contacts deep in the party. He believes they give him a better understanding of what Labour's thinking than any of his recent predecessors have had. He goes right down the line. When he discovered sometime in the morning that the conference was shifting against him, he took out his phone. Labour MPs were allowed a conscience vote on marriage equality. Shorten wanted it to stay that way. But the left was determined to make the policy, like any other party policy, binding on MPs. A collision between Shorten and his deputy Tanya Plibersek was looming. He made calls. Faction leaders met. He twisted arms. The horse trading spilled onto the conference floor. Around 4pm, a compromise was hammered out. Marriage equality would remain a matter of conscience in this parliament and the next, but become binding on the party thereafter. Shorten pledged to bring marriage reform to the vote within a hundred days of taking office. He faced down key opponents, that branch of the Catholic Church known as the Shop Distributive and Allied Employee Union, the Shoppies. He and Plibersek put the compromise to the conference in the early evening, and it was carried on the voices. Nearly everything had gone his way over those three days in Melbourne. He'd played the numbers superbly. His authority in the party had been showcased to the nation. And he could only have shared the relief of old-faction warriors that the hours spent on this newfangled marriage policy had edged off the agenda the truly difficult issue facing Labour, rebalancing the power of the unions, the members and the machine. Shorten's career is a product of the great conundrum of the party, the wretched state of democracy within. Shorten's body is not made for suits. His baggy frame sits on skinny legs. At factory gates in the old days, he wore chambray shirts and bomber jackets. There's something about the new uniform of coat and tie that suggests a plugger dressed for court. He has that great asset for a politician, a big, easy smile, but he affects a clumsy, serious face, creasing his brow in what photographers who trail him call the full Wi-Fi. Time and Canberra have taken their toll. In the seven years since he came to Parliament, he's aged about twenty. At the time of the Rudd slide, he cut a boyish figure. Now there's more head, less hair and not so much of the charm that once swept men and women off their feet. The accent is just right, educated and classless, part Xavier College and part Australian Workers' Union, AWU. It's a highly serviceable political package, but the question is, does it scale up from party leader to prime minister? Contenders for leadership can rarely pick the moment to make their run. Shorten needed more time. That's often been the way with him. He's always moved so fast, from rookie union organiser to leader of the opposition in less than 20 years. He's yet to turn 50, 
but he stepped up after Labour's defeat in 2013 without hesitation. He told friends he had no choice, now or never, and he put himself forward, knowing history wasn't with him. Since World War II, no one taking the helm of his party after a great electoral defeat has become Prime Minister. It's a sad list. Billy Snedden, Bill Hayden, Andrew Peacock, Kim Beasley and Brendan Nelson. But Shorten believes he can pull off the double, beating history and Tony Abbott. The conference consolidated his leadership of the party. The press accorded him grudging respect. Had he stumbled, he would have been torn to pieces by the commentariat. News Corp beat him about the head for union links and union power, but that was to be expected. Questions were asked on whether Labour would live up to the promise to be so brutal to refugees. No surprises there. The recommitment of the party to tackling...